I remember like struggling with certain things and um, I was told to pray hard to have those things fixed. And I tried, I prayed really hard and I prayed harder and harder and nothing happened. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is all bullshit. Like, I don't think prayer works. This is It's Okay to Go Radio, the show questioning the religious beliefs that influence our lives, the challenges we face leaving them behind, and who we become after we leave. Hello and welcome to It's Okay to Go podcast. I'm your host, Haley Carl. My guest today is artist Sarah Arenthal. Sarah was raised in an extreme fundamentalist, ultra-Orthodox Jewish community It's an experience that she describes as at worst abusive and at best isolating. I was raised in like in a very fearful, like fear of God situation. So everything was scary and I didn't like that everything was scary. Mm -hmm. It didn't make any sense to me because they really raised us to believe that the the outside world is really bad and horrible and there's no way you can make it, there's no way you can survive. You'll end up a prostitute or a drug addict or dead on the street. When Sarah was 17, her parents suggested that she get engaged. They had picked someone for her. When she realized this was not a decision she could turn down, she ran away, staying with relatives that were more modern. I feel lucky to have have had that. A lot of people don't have that, and they just have to start from scratch all alone, all together. Even though for me it was also like quite a lonely experience, but at least I had this, just just the first step, that first step of having my relatives help me made it easier for me. Sarah's journey has taken her from religion to the Israeli army to New York to India and back to New York again, where Sarah is quickly becoming a known and established artist. Join me today as I speak with Sarah about her journey out of religion, how she found her creative voice, and her love of art. Good art to me is art that is comes that comes from a raw place. Mostly I cherish untrained artists that I really um, appreciate honest, intimate, emotional art. Where are you from, Sarah? Um, I was born in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel, and I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. When did you get to Brooklyn? Uh, When I was around four years old. Do you remember Jerusalem at all? Uh, Not so much from my childhood. but I remember it more from like secondhand stories. Mm-hmm. So you know how you can like visualize situations and kind of remember yourself there when other people tell you stories about yourself. When I was a toddler, I tried to run away from home. Really? And I was found in the middle of a big traffic circle with cars hunking around me. <laughs> <laughs> I had deep dark plans from a very young age. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So what? religion did you grow up in specifically? Um, I come from a um, rather extreme uh, fundamentalist, ultra-orthodox um, political group called Naturia Karta. Um, they are very uh, much, they base their lives on the very literal Torah, and um, they have very strong opinions um, about the state of Israel and that it shouldn't exist because in the Torah it says that Messiah, that until the Messiah arrives, Jews need to be in exile, and Messiah hasn't arrived, so there can be a Jewish state. So what is your first memory of being a part of that religion? Like, what do you remember about that as a kid? 
I mean, specifically um, related to my to, to the group that my father belongs to, is just the you know the conversations I overheard and you know them talking and also sending us to schools that spoke about um, the negativity of Israel and um, that we weren't allowed to speak Hebrew or visit certain sites in Israel or we didn't even call it Israel we called it either um, by the um, biblical term Eretz Israel or or Palestine. And yeah, just like, you know, just like, you know, calling Zionists terrible people and stuff like that. Mm. I remember like struggling with certain things and um, I was told to pray hard to have those things fixed. And I tried, I prayed really hard and I prayed harder and harder and nothing happened. And I'm like, you know what, maybe this is all bullshit. Like, I don't think prayer works. Um, and the crazy thing is that I was raised in like in a very fearful, like fear of God situation. So everything was scary and I didn't like that everything was scary. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense to me. Did you feel like more, yeah, than that other people were watching no. you and not God? Or? Yeah, that's the thing because I was raised with this like giant fear of God, but a lot of this fear was also not just directly to God, but also the ability for a human being to punish in the name of God. So that was a big part of my fear. What was your first step kind of out of that world? Um, well, in my head, mentally, I was ready to leave a very long time ago, but I really didn't think it was possible because they really raised us to believe that the, the outside world is really bad and horrible and there's no way you can make it, there's no way you can survive. You'll end up a prostitute or a drug addict or dead on the street. Um, so it was a scary thought, but it was subconsciously always in my mind. Um, and then, um, but the breaking point I would say was when I was 17 years old and my family had actually just moved back to Israel again. I wasn't very happy. I didn't want to be there. I also like, didn't really want to be in that life. But, um, but I would say the, the, the courage came to me to do something about it was when they suggested that I should get engaged. They had somebody in mind already that someone picked out, supposed to meet him and, just couldn't see myself doing it. I tried to fight it. Didn't work. They left me with no choice and I ran away. Where was the first place you went? Um, I had some uh, relatives that were helping me. Some uh, slightly more modern mm-hmm. relatives. I feel lucky to have, to have had that. A lot of people don't have that and they just yeah. have to start from scratch all alone, all together. Mm-hmm. Even though for me it was also like quite a lonely experience, but at least I had this, just, just the first step is what, that first step of having the, my relatives help me made it easier for me. Did you ever feel tempted to like go back once you had taken that step and were living with your relatives or? Not even a tiny bit. <laughs> 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 I knew that ultimately I wanted to come back to New York, but um, I didn't have the funds, so I decided to join the Israeli army. Basically do what everyone else my age was doing in Israel and it seems like <coughs> it might be difficult or you might have to go through a kind of different process joining the Israeli army as someone that's from a group of people that denies that Israel exists. <laughs> in a way, in a way, I have to tell you, in a way, it was kind of like part of the rebelliousness in me mm-hmm. that made it even more exciting for me to do that. Um, you know, to be honest, I was raised with like very, very little history on Israel or the Middle East. Uh, the only thing I really knew was that we're anti-Zionist and that's it. 
And so when I was escaping my crazy father, it was like so exciting for me to be able to like rebel in such a big way. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it definitely was the right thing for me to do, yeah. but for many reasons, one of them is I just don't like any military. Right. And now that I'm more educated and I've learned more about the Middle East issues, I definitely wouldn't want to be serving in the military. Mm. So, but at the, that time, it was the right thing for me to do. The Israeli military saved my life. And cra- as crazy as that sounds, they made sure I was safe for the first two years mm. in the big world coming from such a naive place. They literally saved my life. So I'm very grateful for that time. But I wouldn't recommend it to other people. I, I'm hoping there's other ways people can achieve the same thing. Right. When did you know you wanted to be an artist? It was always a very big part of my heart. I always had this, these dreams. Like I used to like pass by art supply stores and like imagine what I can do or like imagine a big easel in my living room or like I always used to dream about it, but a lot of things were in the way. I didn't think I was good at it. Um, I didn't know what being an artist entails. Um, I was shy to share my emotions and I was too busy um, you know um, trying to be like everybody else and you know learning about the psych of the world and going out and having fun and meeting people and you know just and, and spending money and making money and I really did not see artists as a priority um, until much later did it start with did you create something or did you finally walk into a place and buy like a set of markers or so I mean I was always always doodling yeah um I found myself especially drawing when I was going through a hard time whether and it's funny how we're getting back to this but um it was definitely related a lot to like heartbreak and when I was either like extremely in love or heartbroken and that I found myself like drawing a lot and I would like draw on my own I, I once drew on like all my bedroom walls and and you know like so it definitely came from like a way to like deal with stress and intense emotions. So it all really started when I was uh, I basically lost my job, I lost one of the jobs I had, and um, decided to travel. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in India, and I was backpacking and had a lot of free time, and and it was kind of like something like I needed to like come up with some kind of hobby to. To keep you know to, 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 to keep myself busy a little bit mm-hmm. um, and I found that a lot of the other backpackers were like doing crafts and writing playing music you know doing different things drawing and I was like oh I could draw and so I just like bought like some cheap sketchbook in India and like uh, started uh, uh, drawing daily and through practice and you know just I kept doing it I just started developing something tell me about India because you get this glow around you when you bring up India what was it like you got to tell me about it so India changed my life um but I mean the truth is I don't know if it's just India itself or just the concept of going somewhere completely strange in a completely different culture um and also in a in a very old-fashioned setting um and to see uh um the way people live happy lives in a very simple way, it, it like that really inspired me. And to also 
the there was something very like naive about the, there is something very naive about the Indian culture and their religion, um, and I found a lot of similarities between their culture and the way I grew up. And what that did was was it helped me accept where I come from and understand that I'm not the only one that comes from such a naive place. And like even the little girls running around with braids in their hair the same way like I did when I was a little girl. Um, it just like it just made me smile and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, you know, I, I I'm not the only one. Like and also one of the another the second thing I'll say about traveling that I think is not necessarily directly related to India, but just related to travel in general, I think it's when a person goes through difficult times, I think it helps a lot to go and to travel and to, to travel alone and to meet other travelers who are traveling alone and to listen to their stories because everyone has a story, especially tra travelers do. And it helps you um, accept, it helps you accept yourself and open your mind and open your eyes. And when you meet people from around the world, I think it's really uh, effective for our minds to grow stronger. So you're, you have a sketchbook in India and you're traveling and I'm assuming you're getting positive feedback from others along the way. Like, did things click into place there or when you got back you thought, all right, that's it, I'm doing this? Because um, I wasn't really sharing my drawings and then people like overlook, they watch me drawing and they're like, oh, that's interesting, can I buy it? And I'm like, what, really, you want to buy it? <laughs> um, so that helped me and then I like got little other gigs like making things for people for other travelers and then at some point I actually ran out of money and so I started designing these refurbished um, these repurposed like clothing that I found like random fabrics and stuff and old curtains and whatnot and I made these like custom pieces of clothing for other travelers and people were spending big money for it oh shit um, and that really like boosted my confidence and I said you know what I'm going to be an artist maybe I'm going to be a clothing designer mm -hmm. and and then when I came back to New York the first thing was I was trying to become a clothing designer and I was trying to figure out how I can do it where I can still make one of a kind pieces. And then I realized economically it could never work. But at the same time, I was also like still like very much interested in making art in general. And I started just like telling people I'm an artist and mm -hmm. putting the word out. And then the next thing, someone connected me to someone that was having a group show for Jewish artists. And um, I painted something crazy for it without even like knowing how I did it but I felt this pressure that I have to like deliver mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it just kind of like went from there what was the piece that you painted it's this um self-portrait um that's called on the model stand it was um inspired by um um I actually worked as an art model for a little while at an art school Ooh. and I had to be nude on mm -hmm. stage and um I remember there were two different things going on in my head. One was um, the fact that I was naked and all these strangers are looking at every detail of my body. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a little uncomfortable, but at the same time also like really healing. Um, the other thing was I was modeling in this kind of crazy abstract class and people were doing these amazing paintings in front of me and I was just like sitting there like daydreaming what if what if I would be on the other side of right. the classroom and what if I had the opportunity to paint those big paintings and so I was there but I wasn't there I was always like dreaming and thinking of ideas and what I could be making right now and so it was uh, kind of like a self-portrait of my mind separated from my body I didn't have a neck I love how you've gone from you know 
know, leaving, and then you had this in the Israeli army, and then you moved, and now you're an incredible artist. On the other end of the spectrum, like, friends and family, like, how has that changed from that moment you left? You know, when I when I left my, um, my family, I made this very active decision to cut myself off from everything. So it's not that people threw me away or rejected me for my choices. I just vanished from their lives, really. And what made you make that decision? Like what? The association was just too troubling for me. Yeah. Everything about the, the, the language, Yiddish, I, mm-hmm. I completely blocked it out. I, had a, I grew up being called um, Hindi, which is uh, my Yiddish name. Um, I stopped referring to myself as that. Um, I just wanted nothing to do with anything connected to my traumatic past. I just needed to completely break away all the way. So did you pick Sarah? Sarah actually is my given um, legal name okay. since I was born. But right. I was raised being called Hindi, which is my Yiddish name, but it was never documented anywhere, actually. Hmm. And that's connected to my father's politics. Okay. He wanted us to have kind of like two separate identities. Completely disconnected from your family now? Um, I don't talk to my dad, even though I tried a few times. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he also tried a few times, but not really... Interestingly enough, there's a lot of relatives of mine that are kind of, uh, you know, in the broad family mm-hmm. um, that have actually stepped away from that extreme mm-hmm. religious world. So kind have of they gone on to have pretty fulfilling lives as well. Are any of them artists or they kind of just do their own thing? Um, everybody's doing something else, but there's a lot, definitely a lot of uh, creatives. What do your friendships look like now that you've left? Like, what do you what do you value the most in that in the people that you connect to now? Um, so that also has evolved over the years. Um, <laughs> it has been a long time since I left. It's, you know, I left in 1999. Um, so I would say that the first five to ten years of my friendships were based on different things. It was more about having people to go out with, you know, like to like not be lonely, to then learning who I am, my real personality and what I really... Uh, uh, value to giving up a lot of my old friends actually um, for the for truth to to hopefully connect with more uh, creative people and artists and those who um, kind of accept me for who I'm not for who I'm trying to be or what I was trying to present myself as mm-hmm. um, just to be accepted so now I'm like I have a whole different view on friendships and I have a lot less friends than I did now but some of the friends that I have now are a lot more meaningful than I ever had before. So, um, because they come from a you know honest place and similar situations, and um, you know other artists that are kind of crazy like me, <laughs> we kind of bond. <laughs> yeah, I know you and I have talked about this before, but what is the best art you've seen lately around, or what do you describe as good art? Um, good art to me is art that is comes that comes from a raw place mostly i cherish untrained artists that i really um appreciate honest intimate emotional art mm-hmm. and is that because of the feeling that it evokes or is that because it like just personally for you because of your experience and what you've gone through do you think i think that's what i relate with yeah and I think that that's the beauty of art, that there's so many different kinds of art out there and everybody can relate with something else. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, a beautiful piece of art is something that makes me feel something, whether it's good or bad. If it makes me feel, I can appreciate it. Do you watch TV? And no TV. Why not? Um, <laughs> so good question. I, I, you know, I grew up without television, without radio, without any access to secular things. Um, so, of course, the first few years after that, when I left, I, I spent a lot of time watching TV because I felt like I needed to catch up mm-hmm. with just basic things that people talk about. I had no clue what they were talking about. What were you, what were you going through? I, oh, God. I, I watched everything Friends. from like Friends, Seinfeld, uh, <laughs> The Simpsons, um, Will and Grace. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, I was fascinated yeah. by the TV because you could just like sit there and like be entertained for so long like without <laughs> doing anything it was kind of like I wasn't used to that the only entertainment I had growing up was either like with whatever activities we were doing like with a friend or or reading mm-hmm. and reading just Jewish books mostly right um so suddenly this like whole new idea like came to my head and it was kind of cool because I got to learn a lot about like it's terrible but it's, it's, it sounds terrible but I got to learn a lot about like dating and things from watching (laughs) movies you know these like super kitschy like love stories and like you know like but it also kind of like I think fucked with my head a little bit Mm -hmm. because it gave me this unrealistic vision of what love's supposed to look like but I think the difference is between me and the rest of the world that did grow up watching television is that most teenagers when most kids when they're teenagers they have the opportunity to learn from real situations from real real you know from everyday life they've realized that they that you know it's you can be heartbroken and then you know and then you move on or whatever when you're starting late and you're older already much older than everyone else and you're first learning these things it's weird to try to have good meaningful connections with other people when they've already been through that a long time ago when you were growing up in that did you have the idea there growing up that that could exist, this idea of like these connections and romantic love and all these kind of things? Was that even in your in your like general area or was that something that you discovered through watching TV like, oh my God, this amazing magic thing and then <laughs> like having to go through it? Or So like, I, I would say somewhere in me so subconsciously there was this natural desire just like every other human has, I think. Because I remember, like, when I was a teenager, I had crushes on people mm-hmm. that I saw, whether they were neighbor kids or, you know, like, other people in my life where, you know, I developed these crushes that, of course, didn't do anything about it. But I do, like, remember actually one, one incident where there was, I had a neighbor in my... I grew up in an apartment building, so I had a neighbor. And the, the kid and I, whenever we used to, like, meet in the lobby, we would always, like, give each other, like, big smiles. That I, but I knew it was, like... Not a lot, but we definitely had, like, some kind of, like, mental relationship going there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- I think it's, like, something that you can't help no matter how you're raised. Um, you can't help, like, still fantasize, I think. I'm curious what what art looks like in the world that you grew up in. Like, is there, does art exist? And if so, in what kind of realm is it? Um, yeah, I mean, art definitely exists. Um like uh, I actually come from a family of artists um my mother was always painting and drawing and stuff like that but she was like really good at like you know drawing from pictures or 
sketching people or making beautiful landscapes or whatnot. Um, she was she's talented, but I don't. It, I, most of the art I saw growing up was not contemporary. It was very like traditional stuff, like oil paintings, pastel paintings. You know, we did a lot of like arts and crafts growing up. Um, there was kind of an art class in my grade school where like the teacher would put like a bowl of fruit on the table and she asked us to draw it and I remember like not being interested mm-hmm. in drawing fruit and I'm like I just want to do my own thing um, but yeah I mean art is definitely a big part of of I think any community um, but there was no like conversation around it we never went to galleries and museums or you know or like you know maybe there was a little bit contemporary art around and some more like modern homes but like I don't remember understanding them or knowing really what it's about or, or or being able to acknowledge something I saw on the street even, like street art or whatever was around. Just, you know, when I took the subway or something. No one was grabbing um, the oils and the paints with reckless abandon and, like, getting out, like, I'm so mad at the Torah. I'm just going <laughs> to get out these emotions. Well, I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't know about it it's if it was happening. Thing. I'm sure it was happening somewhere. <laughs> Would you be allowed to paint on the Sabbath at all, or not? no? No, no. I think you're not even allowed to like air draw. Really? Like air write or something? So no air guitar on the Sabbath. No air guitar. On the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's just. I, I can't promise you 100 percent that that's an accurate law, but right. it, it feels like it probably could be. It sounds like. It. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who knows nothing about it, sure. That sounds. That sounds absolutely accurate. Hey, it's okay to goers. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Sarah Arenthal so far. If you like this, you will probably also enjoy my conversation with Tova Silberman. Let's start with the basics. I was wearing skirts past my knee, well past my knee, socks at all times, long sleeves, uh, shirts that hit my neckline and higher at all times. You know, I, I didn't wear pants until college. I, I had never worn pants and I still don't really know how to shop for jeans. This and all other episodes can be found at itsokaytogo.com. If you'd like to support this podcast with more than your ears, please go to itsokaytogo.com and click the donate button. All money goes towards equipment upkeep, studio spaces, and of course, beverages for our guests. Thank you so much for listening. And now for the rest of my conversation with artist Sarah Arenthal. Where are you at now as far as like spirituality and, and any potential of that? Like, did you feel any any type of connection to like any spirituality or God growing up? And if not, do you feel that now or what's that like for you? Um, like I said earlier, I lost my faith in this so-called God that they tried to raise me with um, from a very young age. Um, I have not been... Uh, finding any interest in that at all. I actually find my life to be a lot better without the idea of God. Um, I don't I don't have any desire for it. I consider myself Jewish um, more as a cultural thing. Um, I don't practice anything. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as like really spiritual, but I am as just as a, a type of personality. I do feel very like, connected to mother earth i don't know if that has anything to do with spirituality but maybe that's my spirituality you know like my love for nature and um and uh, and kindness and that kind of stuff i mean i think that speaks to like 
you know, that, that spirituality or any type of thing like that, like in its purest form is kind of like just our own connection to our own humanity and maybe other right. people's. And But a lot of people, you know, when they are, let's say, affected by the beauty of nature, they right away think of God. Right. Like the creator who made, you know, yeah. who created this beautiful, you know, tree, this beautiful sky. Like, I, I see no connection. I just see this is this is where I come from. This is the this is the earth that created me that I will go back to. Like I am I am part of this I am one with it and therefore I mm. love it and connect with it and feel positive vibrations from it. Yeah, it's not like a separate thing that was put here along with you separate and then right. now all of you be together. It's the whole It's the whole cycle. Yeah. yeah, I'm just part of it. And actually the the power of nature is so much stronger than just me alone that I would give it I, I, I would love to give it as much respect as I can and mm-hmm. more than anything else in the world. Are you involved in at all helping others that have maybe gone through what you've gone through and like trying to find their way kind of out of organized religion in any way or um you know i try to i have you know i'm a little bit uh i think i'm a, I, I find myself to be a little socially awkward and having a hard time i mean it's getting better i you know, i'm not the most confident person but it's it's getting better with my art and um but i feel like the best way i can contribute at this point and i hope i am is by just making my art and sharing my story and um, letting others know that it's possible to achieve great things no matter where you come from. Um, and I hope that, you know, as time goes on, I'll be able to give m- of myself more um, to hopefully help, help other people. But I'm really, really hoping that what I'm doing can help others who are um, having questions or thinking about the possibility of living a different kind of lifestyle. And, and by, I think by being, by sharing my art with the public, I'm, I'm helping that. I think so. I mean, when I first met you, we were just walking back to your place, and we ran into one of your pieces in the street, and <laughs> that guy was explaining it to you. <laughs> <laughs> because was it was it Yiddish that you had written? It? Yes. Know, yeah, yeah. This guy on the street started explaining Sarah's piece to her. It was really really funny. <laughs> and you were so good with it. You're like, oh yeah, tell me more. <laughs> Yeah. But he was fascinated by your story and just even yeah. having met you and seen your work. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are, um, people are, I think are, are I, 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 it's, I don't know, it just sounds, it's a little weird to talk about it, but like, but I, 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 I know that I've affected some people and it's, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the greatest feelings I can get right now. That even though the work I'm doing is for myself and my own healing, I'm also along the way helping other people and I couldn't be more grateful for that. So what do you what do you have coming up next? I understand you have a show. Um, yes, um, I have a solo exhibition at the beautiful nonprofit gallery um, called Five Miles Yay. in uh, Crown Heights. I, I, I'm, I have a very special opportunity. Um, these um, the, this gallery has been friends. I've been friends with them for a couple of years, and um, it, and and they're giving me this great opportunity, and I'm really excited. Like I have I have this like time that I call the like the negative art time where I may not produce as much during that time but it's when the ideas are storming through like crazy and then in my mind then things started to develop and then I try them out and then I mean I have been like trying many different mediums lately 
just to feel myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still haven't like hit the big idea yet. And I'm hoping I can deliver because it's actually really nerve wracking when you know you have an opportunity to share your work with the world and such a special opportunity. Um, and you want to deliver the best thing possible. And you're like, what if it's not good enough? And there's a lot of pressure there. So I, I try not to like, it's almost like I want to avoid the thought just to like not be stressed out about it. But I know that it'll all work out. I think it will. I mean, you, you're a street artist as well. And you put up work in, you know, a matter of minutes on people's, you know, pieces of either furniture or things they've left in the street and, you know, on, in places where you're, maybe not supposed to and you work pretty fast (laughs) doing that so Uh, I would say for the most part I only do work that is not against any law yeah um I do uh commission murals on buildings Mm -hmm. and also um one of my greatest um loves I've had in the last two years of my life has been um repurposing discarded objects by um creating art on um random stuff that's thrown out on the street whether it's um, pieces of wood or broken furniture or things that nobody wants anymore. Um, and also just the, the fun part of it, like drawing on a discarded mattress that's sitting outside for a couple of weeks. And I think it makes a great canvas and it gets my art out there and makes people smile. And I just love doing that. It does. I mean, again, we were <coughs> in the like three blocks that we walked from the coffee shop to your place. It's that guy. And then ran into another one of your pieces where people were taking photos of it. I mean, it's like, it's inspiring, you know, because I, I'm like, man, I got to get my stuff up. <laughs> Sarah does. It's the best. Um, yeah, I actually heard back from some people that they were like, wow, you really inspire me to like, to take my craft more seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you can do it, I can do it, you know. And that's really cool. Yeah. So other than your relatives in overseas in Israel that kind of helped you has there been anyone here in America that's helped you like kind of guide you or you know as you've been making your way slowly out of this out of religion um so you know I actually like kind of lived in this bubble in my mind where I didn't really think I needed any help um um and I and then I but then I heard of a footsteps a nonprofit organization that helps uh formerly orthodox Jews um and I, at first I rejected the idea because I said, oh, I'm like, I'm good already. Uh, but then later when I started um, um, pursuing art, uh, I really didn't know where to begin. And I, and I and a friend recommended that I go talk to someone at Footsteps. And I basically had a mentor through them and they guided me really like in the early days of my art career, like how to do things and, you know, what kind of like it was actually someone there recommended I should go be an art model. And um, um, and through them, I've uh, shown my art in the beginning. And I, I mean, I still show my art with them. I just painted a mural at their office. And we've just, as, they've just been actually an amazing um, help to me in my career and introducing me to people. And I, I met a few collectors through there. And most recently, um, they actually awarded me with a micro grant that, um, that is actually uh, going to be used um, in my next solo exhibition, which I'm awesome. super, super grateful for because I live in a very minimal artist budget and any money that comes in specifically that I can use for my art I mean technically I use every penny I have back into my for like in my art but um the fact that I was that you know they saw it important enough 
um, to grant me with money towards uh, my art is like I'm really grateful to them and I'm looking forward to working with them for a long time to come. Footsteps is great. Yeah, that's I mean that's kind of how I met you is through that you know yeah like, through our connections there. So yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> sitting down with me today. This is excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again to Sarah so much for coming on the show. Sarah has a solo exhibit, which is opening March 9th at Five Miles Gallery. It'll be 6 to 9 p.m. at 558 St. John's Place in Brooklyn. If you would like to view Sarah's work, please visit sarahaerenthal.com. That's S-A-R-A-E-R-E-N-T-H-A-L.com. And she's also on Instagram at sarahaerenthalart. Thanks again to the organization Footsteps for helping to connect us. If you have any questions or are looking for support leaving the Orthodox community, please visit footstepsorg.org. And finally, if you would like to learn more about It's Okay to Go, please visit itsokaytogo.com or on Facebook and Twitter at It's Okay to Go. On Instagram, search the hashtag It's Okay to Go. All the music for this podcast is provided by Jordan Cooper. That's jordancoopermusic.com. My name is Haley Carl, and we'll see you again soon.